0: ChumbaCasino.com. Jumba. No purchase necessary. full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast, right here on the Steel Curtain Network. And, hey, you know, it's part of the Fans First Sports Network. It is Wednesday. Happy hump day, everyone. Thank you for spending part of your day with me this morning, this afternoon, this evening. This commute doesn't matter when you're listening. Thank you for listening. I hope that you're checking out all of our content, both at the Steel Curtain Network podcast feed as well as on SteelCurtainNetwork.com. And if you haven't yet, check out FansFirstSports.com. Yes, it is a website based around all sports, not just the Steelers, not just the NFL. We've got good articles coming out about the uh, Major League Baseball as it's getting down to the home stretch there. We've got stuff going on with basketball, we've got stuff going on with every single possible sport. Fansfirstsports.com. Make sure you check it out and make sure you are paying attention cuz we are going to be having a giveaway coming up. That's right, a giveaway. I'm talking about a Fansfirstsports network giveaway. You're going to want to hear about that. For sure you're going to want to hear about that which you will right here on our podcast as well as any podcast as a part of Fans First Sports Network. But today we're talking about boy, well, someone someone that's so controversial within this organization. I mean when you think about it, the offensive coordinator, I can't think of an of an offensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers that was actually in like that people liked him. You probably have to go back to Mike Malarkey. Ken Wisenhunt, people didn't complain too much about those guys. Since they departed, it is not, no one has been an offensive coordinator for the Steelers that I can think of that has been actually someone that they, people enjoy. So to give an example, well, Bruce Arians won a Super Bowl, got him to a Super Bowl. However, Bruce Arians also almost got Ben Roethlisberger killed. You know, Todd Haley. We know that Todd Haley had, he butted heads with Roethlisberger, things weren't always smooth, the Killer B era, just didn't have the results when it mattered the most. Randy Feedner, no thanks. And then you have Matt Canada, which brings us to present day. Matt Canada. So what we're going to be talking about today. Before we get to the Matt Canada talk, I do want to talk about Mike Tomlin met with the media on Tuesday. I just want to recap a couple things. You can check out, I filled in for Dave Schofield on the Mike Tomlin Press Conference recap yesterday Go back, check that out. You'll hear some details on that press conference, which was rather short because he had spoken to the media on Monday. Talked about injuries. The Steelers released Cody White. They released Hakeem Butler. Look, I talked to my source. You know, he's the one that's been pumping up Cody White. And I can't say what he told me, but let's just say that, you know, it was an interesting situation what happened with Cody White. We'll leave it at that. Hakeem Butler banged up. He's no longer with the team. So there's not a lot of injuries. Mike Tomlin said they're going to leave the light on for players like Trey Norwood, Larry Ogunjobi, Nate Herbig to potentially play. But there's no guarantee there. As it's a short week, they are game planning. The Steelers starters are going to play how much it all depends. It really I think it depends on the player depends on the unit. And Mike Tomlin said they have goals for every single player and group. And once they reach those goals, they'll be out of there. It was really interesting though when they did talk about game planning and he said how this game three of the preseason, which is the final preseason game, he is using that as the same game three approach as when they had a four game preseason. Well, if you remember, that meant that there was a final dress rehearsal. That's what Mike Tomlin was telling the media that they are going to be utilizing this preseason game as the final dress rehearsal. So expect the starters to play. Some will play more than others. But it's going to be interesting, and that is Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check it out on NFL+. Plus. All right, so enough of that. Let's talk about Matt Canada, shall we? I had someone, and we're going to get to the mailbag segment here in the second half of the show. One, one of our loyal followers, Ride or Die crew member, Believers, as he goes by on Twitter, he had sent me a message and said, hey, is it time that we give Matt Canada some credit? And so I said, hey, I got you. I'll talk about this. I wanted to devote the entire first half of the show to answering that very simple question. Is it time that we give Matt Canada some credit? I don't know. That's a tough question. Like that's really tough. Like I, I literally wrapped my head around this and was like, okay, how am I going to formulate this? So is it time to give this dude some credit? Well, let's th- th- for some people, let me start off by saying this is sacrilege. Holy cow, you try to give Matt Canada credit after two preseason games? I think it's worth discussing at least. No, I'm not suggesting that it is going to be some, you know, oh, he's he's totally changed. No, I'm not saying that. But following 2021, I think let's go back in time a little bit. Following that year, the Steelers had a choice to make. And I said this, I had a podcast about it, I was very passionate about that podcast. I said, you have to make a decision now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, as an organization. You either go down that road, you either go down that Matt Canada road, and you get the players that fit his system, or you get off the road and go somewhere else right now. But I said, if you go down that road, well, that's diff- That's that changes everything. Because now you are buying into him, you're buying into his philosophies, you're buying into what he wants to do on offense, which is not universal, by the way. His methodology is not universally used in the National Football League. So they went down that road. They chose not to start over, and they went down that road. So they stuck with it. They brought in players, both via the NFL Draft and free agency, to fill out his, Matt Canada's, offense. Now is everything in place? That's a good question. Does he have everything that he needs? If the offense falls flat, is there anyone else to blame? So let's let's take a look at this. Quarterback, most would say check. Receivers, pass catchers, check. Tight ends, check. Offensive line, if they're not there yet, they're getting there. Running backs? Okay, you see where I'm going with this. Will 2023 be different? So what I wanted to do, how I wanted to figure this out was I wanted to look at Matt Canada's criticisms and then see if we have some semblance of an answer to those criticisms afterwards. So his criticism, and I'm trying to be general here, there's people that could write an entire book on Matt Canada criticisms, but I'm not going to go down all those paths. So let's start off with predictability. A lot of people can't stand Matt Canada because they say if he's one thing, it is predictable. And as a play caller in the NFL, that is a problem. So if I line up in this formation or if this player enters into the game, you almost feel sometimes as if you already know what's going to happen. And that's a problem. So predictability is a problem. Next, he's conservative. We've seen it time and time again there's a big play and he follows it up with a run up the gut or in the red zone, everything clams up and he gets super conservative or we all know the famous run, run pass predictability ties in there as well. That's a criticism of Matt Canada. Let's continue. Not attacking the middle of the field. We know that with Ben Roethlisberger in 2021, Kenny Pickett last year, and then uh, really just last year, even Mitch Trubisky, throws over the middle were minimal. Not that that never happened, but they were minimal. Most of the throws happening outside the numbers, outside the hash marks, that's just where they wanted to live. Next, they struggled with explosive plays. They just weren't able to get those big chunk plays. Go back to last season after the bye week they finished 7 and 2 when four games in a row we all know how they finished last year. What was the MO? How was the, what was the recipe for success? Well, for them the Steelers it was don't turn it over, run the ball, control the clock. That's it. Super conservative, never really wanting to drive the ball down the field. I want to say the Steelers finished if not dead last close to dead last in scoring from outside the 20-yard line or something along those lines. They just they just weren't able to do that, and that's that leads back to no explosive plays. And lastly, this ties in here with the horrible red zone percentage. The Steelers struggled in the red zone. Um, I had Coach Kevin Smith on my podcast a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how Kenny Pickett had the worst, the worst quarterback percentage in terms of uh, throws inside the 10, and then even in the red zone. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. He's a rookie. Okay, so those are the criticisms of Matt Canada. Let's, let's um, read them over real quick again. Predictable, conservative, no, doesn't attack the middle of the field, no explosive plays, and a horrible red zone percentage. So now we have to look at this very small sample size, 2023 preseason. Have some of these criticisms been answered, at least in the short term, throughout this short, brief stint that we've seen? Let's go one by one. Predictability. I got to be honest. I don't think he's been predictable with the starting offense in there. It has not been okay. Run the ball, run the ball. Let's throw it. He is mixed in the past. They've thrown way more than I thought they would in week one down in Tampa Bay. I predicted a run, 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 run approach by the offense. And no, it was the complete opposite. They threw the ball. They moved it down the field through the air. That's the their Their mode of transportation down the football field was through the air. They're mixing it up. They're trusting the pass protection to hold up, and they're trusting Kenny Pickett. So in that regard, we're seeing something new right off the bat. The next criticism, being too conservative. Well, they are taking some shots down the field. With the starters, yes, I think it's been calculated risks. You think about the touchdown pass to George Pickens in week one. You think about uh, the touchdown to Pat Fryermuth in week two. You want to go to the backups. You're talking about Mason Rudolph with the big shot to Calvin Austin down the sideline. They are taking shots, but it's not being reckless with the football. So have we seen a change? Yes, I think we have. No throws over the middle. Well, I can only speak for, again, the starters, because that's really what we care the most about here. They have attacked the middle of the field. George Pickens' touchdown. That was a post route. Down the seam. Pat Fryermuth, down the seam. Yes, there have been throws on the outside, but they're also mixing in throws over the middle. Again, if you want to go into the backups, you know, you saw Calvin Austin, who can basically go untouched off the line of scrimmage. Well, what did he do? quick slant, easy 10 to 12 yard gain. So they are throwing it to the middle of the field. They're utilizing their skill sets and the tools and the weapons they have and the pass catchers to the best of their ability. So they are throwing it over the middle of the field. They're attacking that area. That's a huge step in the right direction. No explosive plays. Well, I've talked about that already. They have had big plays. Whether you're talking about George Pickens or 33-yard touchdown catch in Week 1, whether you're talking about Calvin Austin's 60-plus-yard touchdown reception against the Buccaneers, whether you want to talk about Pat Friarmue's catch after the explosive play by Calvin Austin in special teams, the 54-yard punt return to get him down near the red zone, or whether you're talking about Jalen Warren's 62-yard scamper to the house, house call, uh, then, yes, there have been explosive plays. And some might say, well, Jeff, it's such a small sample size. Did you hear what I just said? Those are just two games in the preseason. They have had explosive plays. They're getting those big plays. It's going to be tough. to. It's going to be interesting to see if they can continue that trend, but the trend is there at least in the preseason. And lastly, a horrible red zone percentage. I I, got to be honest when I think about the starters, they haven't been in the red zone too much because they're scoring outside of the red zone. I talked about George Pickens touchdown. That was outside the red zone. Pat Firemeuse touchdown outside the red zone. Jalen Warren, well outside the red zone. You get where I'm going with this. The starting offense hasn't had a lot of exposure to the red zone, so it's tough to say whether or not there's been improvement in that area. And again, I'm trying not to go too far into the the backups because really, let's be honest, they're, they're not as important as as the starters. So again, you look at the criticisms, you look at the 2023 preseason, and you have to are are we on the right path is the question. So first and foremost, I've said this multiple times in this podcast, I'll say it again. It is a small sample size. Does Matt Canada have the pieces of the puzzle together to put it all together? And I think the answer is yes. When you look at the quarterback, you look at the offensive line, the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, it's all there for him to finally run this offense. Here's something I keep on thinking about as I hear Matt Canada talk, as I hear Mike Tomlin talk, as I hear players like Kenny Pickett talk, Deontay Johnson, they're all saying the same thing. Right now we're just doing a lot of vanilla stuff, meaning they're not going to show anything that's really exotic or unique or different. They're not trying to put anything on tape that could help the the 49ers in week one or the Browns in week two. You understand what I'm saying. So this is the vanilla offense then I really look forward to seeing what the regular season offense will be for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2023. Does Canada deserve credit? Because that's really what we're asking here. Is it time to give Matt Canada some credit? I will give Matt Canada as much credit for success as much as I give the players success for preseason success. That's a lot of success I just talked about. So in other words, I, I I give players credit for making plays in the preseason, but it's kind of always with a caveat that, well, it's a preseason. I'm going to do the same with the offensive coordinator. I'm going to give him credit for the success that the Steelers have had offensively so far this preseason, but it's a preseason. Prove it when it counts. If Matt Canada truly wants to change the narrative surrounding him and the job he is capable of doing and is doing with the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, then he needs to do it when the game counts. I I cannot stress how important that is. I cannot stress how key that will be. Matt Kennedy is in a contract year. If things go bad, he's gone. And he has to know that. And the Steelers have to say, look, Matt, we've given you everything you need. Time to, hey, put up or shut up. So now it's time for him to go out and prove something that his offense can work in the NFL, that his offense will work with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what he has to prove. So in that respect, I'm looking forward to seeing what this regular season has in store for the offense. I'll give him some credit. I will a ton of credit. Hey, it's the same with the players. You know, the players that are having success in the preseason doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have success in the regular season. It's the same with the coordinator. So there you have it. Is it time to give him some credit? I'll give him some credit a lot. Maybe not. All right. In the second half of the show, you know how we do every Wednesday. We got the mailbag segment coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Alright, Steelers fans, welcome back. It is time for another episode of the Let's Ride Podcast. It's Wednesday. It's the mailbag. You know what that means. Now, I do normally I don't take questions. If someone has my own, my my actual phone number or email, I normally don't answer those questions because, well, I've got rules and stipulations here, people. you got to find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. You have to find me on Tuesday when I put out the tweet. You have to respond to the tweet, and I'll answer that question. But there are some times where you make exceptions, and this is one of those. My boy Philip, he said, hey, Jeff, this is via text message. It's my birthday today, and I wanted to celebrate by doing questions finally for the mailbag segment. So he asked three questions. I'm going to answer them here before we go over into the Twitter mailbag. Question one, name one dark horse from both the offensive side and defensive side of the current Steelers team to be a sneaky contributor to the success of the 2023 team. And why do you think that? So on offense, a sneaky contributor, I'm going to go with Connor Hayward. And that might not even, he might not even fall into that category for a lot of people because, well, they have high hopes for him. But for me, when you look at all the weapons they have, you would never say someone like George Pickens or Deontay Johnson, but I think for for him, Connor Hayward, yeah, that's the, he he's he could sneak up on some people this year. Defensively, I'm going to go with uh, see. This is tough because I, I would I want to say Elijah Riley, but I, he he's in that battle with Shandon Sullivan. I don't think they're going to keep both. So I'd hate to say Elijah Riley and have him not make the team. I'm going to go with it, though. I'm going to go with Elijah Riley as that guy that could be sneaky, a sneaky contributor. Question two from Philip: Name one Steeler on an AFC North Division team that you'd currently want on the roster. Okay, uh, this is tough based on the fact that, you know, you have the receivers of the Bengals. You have, uh, you know, if I had to pick someone, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, I'm going to pick a Baltimore Raven, and I, I would take Roquan Smith. The Steelers inside linebacker needs, that dude's a beast. Roquan Smith is the real deal, and so that's who I would go with. He'd answer a lot of questions for the Steelers on the inside. Not that I don't like their inside linebackers now. I hope you get what I'm saying. Last question for Philip: Which Steelers jersey that you currently own is your favorite for either sentimental value, nostalgia, or overall just your go-to on game day? Well, if I'm being honest, I just don't wear jerseys anymore. Uh, yeah, it just... I don't know. I feel like I kind of I've grown out of that as I've become. I'm 40 years old now. My kids can wear jerseys all they want. That's fine. I I just don't value those type of things anymore. I guess. But if I I still have plenty of jerseys, they're all Ben Roethlisberger jerseys. I do have a Kenny Pickett. Brian Davis bought me a Kenny Pickett. So I got to be honest there. But uh, my favorite has to be my very first Ben Roethlisberger jersey. It's a white replica Reebok. My wife got it for me. This was before we even got married. Uh, that was that was really cool when I got that. That was his rookie year in 2004. My favorite jersey, that's the most nostalgic, sentimental. My favorite jersey is the first authentic jersey that I got, Ben Roethlisberger home. That's got the stitched on lettering. It's everything. It's legit. The Reebok, that was awesome. That's my favorite jersey for sure. All right, so let's go over to Twitter now and let's answer these questions. We've got several from Heath Davis, he says, El Jefe, Warren, and Harris remind me of Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew. Do you think we could have two 1,000-yard rushers on our roster? No. <laughs> I just I just don't see two 1,000-yard rushers. Could they both be very successful? Yeah, they could both be very successful. But I don't think that they're going to have that much success. I think mean, they're going to throw the ball more than we think. Uh, Heath also said, what are the keys to victory against the 49ers in Week 1? Against the 49ers in Week 1? Can't we trim the roster to 53 first, Heath? Come on now. I'll give you a little taste. Steelers are going to have to run the ball against that defense. They're going to have to win on those key downs and those key areas. And then uh, defensively, they're going to have to harass Brock Purdy. Make him wish he was still nursing that elbow injury. Uh, Heath also asked, can we get a post-preseason DEFCON update? For sure. We will definitely do that. There's going to be a lull between week one and the end of the preseason. We'll do that. And then final question. How many sacks does our defense get this year? How many touchdowns does our offense score? No clue about the touchdown numbers. I'll say the sacks though. I think they get over 60. We'll say over 60. All right. The new Joe Steeler fan said, what do you need to see for Matt Canada? And for how long before you have confidence in his system scheme and game planning and strategy? Well, Joe, I hope you enjoyed the first half of the show. Talked a lot about Matt Canada, obviously. I want to see him just do it when the games matter the most. And I'm not talking about an important pivotal game in week 17 or week 18. I'm just talking about in the regular season, showing the creativity, the versatility, all that stuff. That's what I want to see from Matt Canada so I can start to say, wow, his system works. He just needed the horses to run. That's my hope. All right, Brian Haynes asked several. He said the Ravens lost their first preseason game in years. Does that streak excite you more or less than Tomlin's non-losing streak? No, it doesn't excite me, uh, but is it better or worse than Mike Tomlin's non-losing streak? It's worse. At least Mike Tomlin's non-losing streak are games that actually count. Uh, the, the Ravens' 24-game preseason streak of meaningless games, exhibition games, meant absolutely nothing. That's absurd. Brian continues, explain it like I'm five. Why are fans so intent on benching a quality player like Dan Moore or Najee? Or Highsmith for younger flash players like Broderick Jones, Jalen Warren, and Nate Herbig. I think some people, they have a recency bias. So when you see, you know, Dan Moore, they, they don't want to see Dan Moore. They want to see Broderick Jones. He's a first round pick. When they see Jalen Warren rushing for 62 yards to the end zone, they think Najee Harris can't do it anymore. When they see Nate Nick Herbig going out there and being just a freaking beast, they think he's better than Highsmith. Don't fall for that. I talked about that on Monday in case you missed that podcast about the Steelers running back situation. All right, uh, Brian also says, could we see a package this year where the Steelers get Watt, Highsmith, and Herbig? Would you prefer that or the three safety set? I'd prefer three safeties, but let's not forget that TJ Watt has lined up. So has Alex Highsmith in like that inside linebacker role in certain packages. I think they could do that. They have the horses to do that. Would love to see them do that, to be honest. Brian Haynes also asked, what are you most excited about? Fast starting offense or stifling defense? It can't be both. I'll be honest. The killer B era, we saw a fast starting offense and it was not a stifling defense. And what do we all say, man, if they could just have a defense, I'm going to go with the defense. That's just where I'm going to go with this one. Okay, let's go to Nathan. Nathan. I Hope I got that correct. He said, how concerned should fans be about the run blocking? Do you expect the performance on the Warren run or what happened the rest of the game to be more common? Well, I think when you have the starters out there, you know, you have to expect that that result is going to be more common to answer your question. And they also haven't played a lot together. So we got to give them that opportunity to gel and to, to find their way together. Corey Eckenroth, he asked a couple questions. Do you have Do you have concern for the offense if they can't jump out to a lead like they have the last two weeks and have to grind it out for four quarters? Are you confident Canada won't crap the bed and shoot himself in the foot? Yeah, I mean, Matt Canada, hasn't. Had, no one's complained about him so far, right? So I'm willing to give him a clean slate, let him start fresh. If the Steelers don't jump out to an early lead again, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think they're capable. I think they have a lot of skill, and they can win in a multitude of ways. That's what's the most exciting about this offense. They don't have to throw it 50 times to win. I feel like this team can run to victory as well. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Two more from Corey. What is the one thing you want to see Thursday from the offense and defense on offense? I want to see them just continue with their current trend. And no, I don't mean scoring every drive. Would that be awesome? Yes. Do they have to do that? No, but they're going to punt the ball at some point, but I want to see them just continue to look like they're moving the ball. So no three and outs. Like don't, don't do, don't, go do not go three and out, get a drive, maybe go to midfield, flip the field. That's what I love to see on the offense. Defensive side, keep doing what you're doing. Harass the quarterback, stop the run, get off the field. That's what I want to see. Last one from Corey. Who are the fringe guys you're watching on Thursday? Some of these fringe guys are gone now. You talk about Hakeem Butler, Cody White are gone. Definitely excited for the Chandon Sullivan slash um, Elijah Riley. That's definitely a, a highly contested We'll say camp battle, but it's not really in training camp anymore. Uh, so I'm, I'm anxious to see those guys play. I'm anxious to see even Gunnar Olszewski. What's he going to do? How's he going to perform? So it's going to be interesting to see how those things play out. Another one from Nathan Bolig. He said, do you have any concerns about depth? Which positions are we still too thin? Backup center, defensive back. I still am standing by that. I think they're thin at defensive back. So those two positions for sure are... I think they're thin. Other than that, I do like the depth. And what did I say a couple weeks ago? I was last week after the Friday game against Tampa Bay. I said that if Nate Herbig goes down, that I'm not crazy about the interior depth either. I want his shoulder to be back and him be healthy. And then I like that interior line depth. Doc M or Southside doc. He said, no questions on the Steelers this week. How do you feel the transition to the steel curtain network has gone after the dust has settled? What do you think has gone well? And what are the shortcomings? So Doc, to be honest with you, I've been very pleased with the transition to the Steel Curtain Network. I've I've appreciated everyone that's come to SteelCurtainNetwork.com to check out our writing, our written work. Uh, people are definitely coming over. Um, the, the, they're, I, I guess what's gone well is that the content has been there and it's been great. Our writers are phenomenal. They stand by their work. I stand by their work. I guess if there's a shortcomings, it's the fact that, you know, A lot of the content at the old site was bolstered by the fact the site's been around since 2006. It's been bolstered by the fact that it's been cataloging all these articles for all those years. It helps. We're starting fresh. It's it's tough to show up on Google searches when you're a very like a brand new website. It it comes you know we're still trying to grow like on Facebook. If you have a Facebook account, for the love of all things holy, please go follow Steel Curtain Network we have like 207 Facebook followers. I mean, we're almost at 700 on Twitter, which we're growing much faster there than we are on Facebook. But I mean, come on, people like a little bit of help, you know, we gave up the social media assets at the old website that were very beneficial. We just don't have those anymore. But you all can help, help us by following us wherever you take in your social media by searching Steel Curtain Network, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, we're there. Thank you, Doc, for asking. I appreciate you uh looking after the the well-being of the website. Put it that way. Our, our podcasts have been great. Nothing to nothing to complain about there. Houston Steeler Chris says, I know it's only preseason. This team looks to be ahead of schedule. We have a great mix of youth and experience and offense and defense that look capable of being very explosive. Do you see a top three defense and a top ten offense possible? This team has me fired up. Chris, I'm, I'm pretty fired up myself, and I do think that I would say top five defense, top 10 offense, that is like the, that would be phenomenal, if we had, if the Steelers have a top 10 defense, top 15 offense, I'd even be happy with that, I'm being very upfront. I'd be happy with that, top three defense, top 10 offense, it's possible, but I'm not expecting that. Mike Smith, he has a question. It appears likely that Kendrick Green will not be on the 53-man roster. Do you think him being gone, being the only true lead-blocking fullback is enough for him to make the practice squad? No, I, I honestly don't think that he's going to make the practice squad uh, based on the fact that you know it, it just doesn't make sense to waste a spot on a guy. Maybe, I don't know. No one's probably going to pick him up. I'll tell you that Mike continues. Green has good athleticism was a highly regarded defensive tackle prospect out of high school. It's a bit crazy, but if he does make the practice squad, do you see any way they look at a position switch to defensive line a long shot? But if he can't make it on O line could be worth a shot. So Mike, I mean, I don't know. I, I Kendrick green. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss with that guy. I don't know what to say anymore. Uh, we'll see how they go, what they do, what they decide. As for me, I'm kind of speechless with him. Okay, couples from a couple of questions from Bagels and Bong Rips. Is the soft zone defense that allows short passes that we saw in the preseason game against Buffalo and have seen in past dealer seasons a problem, a standard approach across the league, or something that will improve throughout the season? I think it's just something that will improve throughout the season. I also think it's just they're not trying to do anything crazy right now. It's the preseason. I wouldn't put too much stock into that. The next one. This third preseason game is make or break for which players. So this is a make or break game for someone like a Gunnar Olszewski, who's his spots not guaranteed. I still stand by that for someone like Kendrick Green, for someone like Montravius Adams, for someone even like Mark Robinson, for someone uh, like Elijah Riley and Shannon Sullivan, for someone like James Pierre. These, this is a big game for a lot of people. Big game for a lot of people, no doubt about it. Joshua Petrick, he asks, As soon as Jalen broke that run, I knew folks were going to be like, I told you so, Jalen for RB1. Now, ultimately, I want us to succeed regardless of who the running back one is, but I just want Najee to blow it up this season, prove that two fantastic running backs and his first-round selection. I agree. I think that that's a good scenario. Also, he says, Similar to to what-does-Kenny-have-to-do questions, what does Najee have to do to show people he is deserving of the running back one role? I think he just needs to break off some bigger runs, like chunk runs. Get that average up. No one wants to see a running back with a 3.0 average yard per rush. Get that average up. That is the best thing that he can do to help his own cause. Jeremy Creedwell said, hey, Jeff, could the explanation of some fans obsession with someone being RB one is fantasy football dividing carries reduces the points either running back scores. Of course, what is good for fantasy players may not improve the performance of the real team. All the best, Jeremy. You know, Jeremy, that thank you for the kind words. Uh, but you might be right. You might be onto something. It might be very fantasy football focused in terms of the way that fans see the game. Not so much the fact that they're rooting for one player to have more production than the other. Tom East says, Jeff, longtime listener from way back. Two questions. First, can you see the Steelers keep Tanner Muse due to special teams and as a fill-in linebacker? Second, one is being from Bridgeport right next door to you and Wheeling, what was your best score at Ogilby Golf Course? Okay, the well, first question, I can see them keeping Tanner Muse. The more I think about my 53-man roster prediction, I could see them trimming like maybe only five, wide receivers to keep a tanner muse for special teams and linebacker consideration. Second question. You're from Bridgeport, Ohio, right next door from Wheeling, West Virginia, right across the river. My best score at Ogilby, So, okay. There's a lot of courses up there. My, uh, the Robert Trent, Robert Trent Jones design at the Spidell golf club. Uh, I grew up playing that course. My best score there, I believe is probably a 77, I've never been able to play well on that course. Uh, at the Arnold Palmer Design, right next door, at the at at Spido Golf Club, my best score there is probably a seventy four or seventy five. If you go to Crispin down the road there I've shot 70 multiple times. So, uh, I've shot 71, 72s there. And yeah, so that's a much easier golf course though. So there you go. Hopefully you are uh, out there hitting them well as, as well. <laughs> All right. Two more questions. RJ preseason has changed my mind. I believe we could see two 1000 yard rushers this year. I'm excited about this thunder and lightning after the second game. What's your thoughts on having two 1000 yard rushers this season? RJ, I kind of answered this earlier. Heath asked a similar question and it was just, I, I just don't see it. I just don't think the offense is going to run that way if it does you'd have to be have you'd have to think Jalen warren breaks off a lot of long runs we will put it that way last question from jm201290 do you see any parallels with the harris warren situation and what the cowboys had last the last few years with ezekiel elliott and tony pollard do you think it will end in a similar way some people have drawn those type of parallels with elliott and pollard some have talked about jerome bettis and willie park parker willie parker fwp I can see those. I can see those for sure. Will it end the same way? I don't know. Um, Najee Harris, well, I'll tell you what. Sometimes you know, he's a really honest guy. He seems very disgruntled sometimes. When you hear the interview when they asked him about Jalen Warren and what do you think is the reason he's having success, and Najee's just kind of like, I don't even know how to answer that. Well, dude, you don't answer it like you're a petulant child. You answer it like you're a good teammate and say, I love the fact that he. You know, yeah, I love the fact he's out there making plays. I want him to continue to make plays going to help the team win. And Najee did say like, he's a good football player. I don't know what you have me to say, boy, he didn't, it didn't come off. It didn't come off. Well, when I read that quote, I was like that. And I listened to it too. Like I didn't just read the quote because sometimes something can be lost in context. I listened to it and it was the same vibe. I'm like, dude, this just, you're giving off a really bad vibe right now. And he's always kind of done that. So it is what it is. Some players are like that. All right, folks, that does it for me. Good stuff. Appreciate it, all the people that contributed from the Ride or Die crew in the mailbag segment. Look, my next time I'm going to be back is on Friday. Friday we've got the winners and losers because on Thursday we're going to have the game. There's not going to be a Steelers preview; that'll be the post-game show. The post-game show will be live on our podcast platform until 9 a.m. 9 a.m. on Friday is when the Let's Ride podcast will run. You'll get my winners and losers. It'll be a full show. I hope you enjoy it, man. It's hard to believe the preseason is coming to a close. This is going way too fast. Slow it down. I want to enjoy it more. Okay. But thank you all for for chiming in and listening. I do appreciate every single one of you. In the meantime, you know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. We'll see you Friday. Enjoy that game. Go you.